friends who have the virus. Anyone else have a praise report? You got okay. Praise the Lord. You have your own company, right? That's good. Yeah. All right. Woohoo. That's good. Excellent. Anybody else have anything? Well, let's go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this day. We give you glory, honor, and praise, God. And we just ask, Lord God, that you would open up the windows of heaven today, Lord God, and pour forth your spirit in this house. We ask, Lord God, that you would bring revelation knowledge, that you would energize us, Lord God, to do your work, Lord, that you would reveal your will to us today and that you would cause us to walk in it. We pray for those who are struggling with sickness, Lord. I just ask that you would touch their body, that you would minister healing grace, Lord God, that you would raise them up stronger than ever, Lord. We give you glory, honor, and praise knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord. We give you praise today in Christ's name. Amen. As we get started today, I just want to start back because it's, you know, we, we get going and then we miss a couple of weeks. And it's like, if you're like me, you can't even remember what you wore from week to week. So you don't know what we've said. So I just want to, mm, let's look at this. I started here a couple of weeks ago and I want to start here again. It's Luke 11, 11. And it says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now, how many of y'all have heard that scripture so many times? I mean, it's, it's so common of a scripture. And, and it's a wonderful scripture because it draws on a natural reality of fatherhood, doesn't it? That, and, and unfortunately, not all earthly fathers are the best examples of a heavenly father. But I have observed that even in cases, sometimes, where a heavenly father is a, or an earthly father is a great example of a heavenly father, our fallen nature still tends to gravitate toward that God does, is not pleased, that God is not giving or loving entirely. We know God is love, but we don't always necessarily know that he is is approving of us. So, but as I looked at this scripture, well, come on in, Tim. My goodness. He's, he was once lost, but now he's found. That's right. He'll be blind, but hopefully he'll see. Okay, okay. <laughs> I would like for you to name them one by one. <laughs> Anyway, so let's look at that again. A new spin on this scripture. If, if a son asks for a fish, you won't give him, the father, heavenly father won't give him a scorpion, right? Because earthly fathers won't do that. If a son asks for an, an egg, he won't give him a scorpion because earthly fathers wouldn't do that, right? Now here's the point I want to make with that, is that the serpents and the scorpions in your life are not from God. Now that, that to me, that's just good. The serpents and the scorpions in your life are not from God. How many serpents and scorpions do you sometimes feel like you have in your life? And how many times have you attributed the serpents and the scorpions to the will of God? We've all done it. Well, God is in charge of everything. He knows he won't give me any more than I can handle. That is not a scripture in the Bible. It is a scripture that hell wrote and peddled it off as inspired and causing you to gobble it up and putting God in this weird category of child abuser for your own good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The serpent, I just want you to say that over and over again. So when, when something bad hits your life, I want you to say over and over again, the serpents and the scorpions are not from God. But let's go a little further in the scripture of that, just to prove it to you. Luke 10 and 19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all all the power of the enemy and nothing shall harm you. So snakes and scorpions, where they come from? I just read it. It's part of the power of the 
Okay, so let's just unpack that a little bit. What did I just say? I told you that the snakes and the scorpions that you have in your life, and all of us would say we have them. You're all, every one of us are battling something all the time. Relational battles, physical battles, you're battling um, economical battles, you're battling spiritual battles, your depression, anxiety. Everybody is always battling something all the time. Would you all agree with that? Always. And you just learn it to be normative in your life. Am I telling the truth right now? And many times, in order for us to cope, we say, very, we say things that are not truth at all. They are sentiment. And that part of sentiment was God will never put on anything more than I can handle. And so what did we just do? We just attributed the snakes and the scorpions to who? And what did we just believe? A lie. And if you believe a lie, what's the outcome of believing a lie according to Scripture? You'll be damned. Now, see, we take that scripture and we go, God's just, oh, no, see, I believed a lie and God's damning me. No, the lie is damning you. The agreement with the lie is bringing you into the place of, that's such a big, what is a better word for damnation? A more, I mean, what's a better, more current word? I'm asking some thesauruses out there. Would you, could, Tim, you're the smart, you're smart. Give me another word, you, you know. What? Condemnation. Okay, no, it's another word for condemnation. We're still, can we get a little smaller words? Con that's one. That's one we all get, right? So you believe a lie. What if we put that? Could we substitute that and not do too much violence to the scripture? You believe a lie and be cursed. So do you think that God is dealing out curses? Does he have curses to deal out? You see what I mean by that? Is he just hand? So this is important that I lay this groundwork because we're going to get to authority. If a son asks for a fish, he doesn't get a serpent. If he asks for an egg, he doesn't get a scorpion, right? The serpents and the scorpions are not from God period. But, back up another chapter, Jesus said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now, that's good. So, what I've just said is this. The serpents and the scorpions that are in your life, and we all have them, are not from God. They are from the devil. Agreed? Or at very best case, they're from your own poor decisions. Flesh, and we'll get in flesh in just a second. That's a part of the resource package the devil uses. Yes. Proverbs. As a sparrow in its flitting and a swallow in its flying, so a curse does not come without a cause. It's got to have a place to land in your life. And through our choices, we give curses. I know that's kind of another weird word that has a little witchy feel to it. Another thesaurus word, somebody. What's another word for a curse? We don't know. I, I'm really asking you. I didn't get enough sleep last night to be <laughs> lucid. So, what? What's another one, you think? Okay. That's what my granddaughter did this morning. Maybe our problem is immaturity. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's true, though. That's good. We do ourselves damage by the choices we make. But how many of you would agree that we do damage to ourselves by the pictures that we espouse of God? Dennis? Good. So bondage. Because a curse and bondage are just right there together, aren't they? We bring ourselves into the bondage by what we believe about God, by what we believe about the enemy. Is it not unusual to you that the enemy gets off scot-free and God gets all the blame? Is that not true? Yeah. Oh, God just won another angel. No, no. God made angels are created beings. When, when your dearly departed leaves, they don't become an angel. Another thing that's not biblical. Did y'all know that? 
So we, we give, we give these ideas and we just, and what's happened in this whole thinking process is we have divorced ourselves from promise and we have married ourselves to lies and sentiment and we have diminished our capacity to walk in authority because of what we believe to be true about God. The scorpions, or scorpions, if you want to call it that way, the scorpions and the serpents are not from God. He has given you power to trample on serpents and scorpions. That's good. So, as we move on, we began talking last week about the prayer of proclamation. Now, I've been praying my prayer of proclamation, and I will tell you that I have had the greatest week of my life. Not kidding. Wednesday night's message, if you didn't hear it, I don't want you to even listen to it because it's too good for you to listen to. You say, why do I say that? I have found that people are driven more by you can't do. I think we should have secret church. And we should tell people that we're not having church and hide it every week. And more people would show up because if it's just too ubiquitous and just too accessible and too convenient, people drag their feet and don't do it. So don't listen to Wednesday night. You wouldn't get it anyway. That's a little bit of reverse psychology for you. But I think y'all are all smart enough to understand that. The whole message Mike preached on Wednesday night, he gave a recount of the Welsh, not Welsh, Hebrides revival. I listened to the whole message. I hung on every word. It was so good I forgot he was my husband. You know what I'm talking about? I thought I was listening to somebody entirely new. It was so good. I was just mesmerized listening to the recount of, of Campbell Duncan and the Hebrides revival. I was amazed at how big God is. And at the end of the message, he said something. How many of you, God has ever spoken one word to you by, under the anointing, and it shifted everything in your life? I'm looking for a show of hands. You said that's happened to me before. It, might, it may or may not have happened. And this is what happened in that service. And I believe it's because I've been praying this prayer of proclamation. See, what I've been doing is I've been making a way in my life for the Spirit to work. Because, see, we... We condemn ourselves with our words, we curse ourselves, we damn ourselves, we bring ourselves into bondage with our words, right? You do it all the time. And so I think I had been given a little bit more to that. I knew truth conceptually, you know what I'm talking about? I can quote scripture to you all day long. Isn't that great? Now I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you I can. But I can't always live scripture all day long. I got the concepts, live. I can't always live scripture all day long. I've got the concepts down just fine. It's the precepts that trip me up. You know, conceptually, I'm a saint. But sometimes in my area of precept, I'm an atheist. Anybody else? Well, that's what I found out. I start, uh, see, I have two parts to me. I have a solical part that is steeped in the flesh and carnality. It is the very land that Satan dwells and moves in in my life. You got it too. And then I've got, I'm born again, but I'm born of spirit. So I've got this born again spirit that he wants to dominate and use my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions for the good of the kingdom to walk in authority, to walk in promise, to walk in hope. But see, sometimes I don't, I don't allow that new law to be the preeminent law in my life. And I start sowing to the areas of the flesh and I start agreeing with lies. I start finding fault with others. Because I forget what I'm about. I forget why I'm here. Well, this is what happened. So I've been praying this prayer of proclamation, and this is not, it's not magic. This is not a talisman. This is not a good luck charm. What I'm doing is I am taking the principles of the Word of God as speaking is a powerful tool. So powerful, in fact, Jesus said we would be judged for what? Every what? Idol word. You know what an idol word is? unemployed. It is a word without assignment. And that is the word. Mike spoke that one word 
in that message. He said, this is all he said. You'll go back and listen to it, and it won't mean anything to you because he didn't even address it. All he said, I went back and listened to it yesterday. All he said was, I have been on many assignments from the Lord. And when he said that, it was as if the Spirit of God just blew away cobwebs from my mind. It was like this. I told Mike this. It was as if I have this puzzle of a thousand pieces, and if anybody knows me, I hate jigsaw puzzles. I would rather jump off of a 50-foot building than work on a jigsaw puzzle. It's true. I don't like to look at them. They're messy. I don't want them put on my table. We go on vacation, and my kids just want to torment me by taking the dining room table in the condo we rent and throwing out a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. I'd rather drown myself in the ocean. This is true. So I don't like puzzles. They're messy. I just don't like the... I don't like the work that they need in order to be finished. So anyway, I have felt like for the past few years, I have been studying more in the past five to six years of my life than I ever have in my life. And I think that the Lord obviously puts that hunger there. But it's as if I have been taking pieces of puzzles and I have been studying everything about that piece of puzzle. I have been looking at the curvature and the colors, and I have been going all around that one piece. And then I would move, and the Holy Spirit would give me another subject to another piece of a puzzle. And I would just study that and study that. And so pretty soon I had all these pieces of a puzzle just gathered around in the table of my mind, if you know what I'm talking about. And I was looking at every one of them and trying to find some rhyme or reason. And I had all these pieces, but I didn't know what I was making. You know what I'm talking about? And then Wednesday night, it was as if the Holy Spirit just took the box and said, this is what you're doing. And it was all of a sudden, every piece just came together around that one word, assignment. And I began to realize that it doesn't matter where I am at. I am on kingdom assignment. Every person in the Word of God is a person on assignment. And every person who stops fulfilling the will of God is a person who has either forgotten their assignment or has no idea they're on assignment. Look at David when he stayed home when kings go to battle. The brother forgot about his assignment. And the next thing you know, he's watching a woman bathe. And then he's taking her into his bed. And then he is covering up the pregnancy. And then he is murdering a man. We say, oh no, that's terrible. Terrible. I would never. You would in a minute if you lose your assignment. And as I begin to look at that, all of a sudden I begin to realize that if I understand my assignment, then every resource that kingdom of God has is not for me. See, that's what James is talking about. You have not because what? Or you ask amiss to consume it upon your own lust. See, you have not because you ask not because you are... Sometimes you can be so blinded to your assignment, you don't even ask God. Anybody ever been there? Yes, we all have. Or you can be so blinded to your assignment that you ask for things outside of your assignment, and do you get those? Sometimes, but it sometimes leads in all kinds of wrong places, doesn't it? And what we find is when we are asking amiss, we are asking outside of our assignment. Now, Jesus said this, pray this way, our Father. Now, right there, we should all just stop and do a little happy dance. He has never, the Bible has never offered the title of Father to God Almighty before that moment. Can you just imagine what his disciples were thinking? Pray this way, our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, we didn't make him common. He's not the big guy in the sky. He's not the guy now who's cool with sin because the grace thing happened. He's still the God who is hallowed be thy name. 
now here it is, assignment. See, Jesus goes right into assignment. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Assignment starts. Now what do we begin to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. What is the daily bread for? The fulfillment of the assignment. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive others. What is the forgiveness and the grace that comes to us and through us? What is it for? It is for the fulfillment of the assignment. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now see, all of it has to do with assignment. So, if the Bible says that you are going to be judged by every idle word you speak... That idle word is an unassigned word. Now, this so impacted my life. We went to Sam's the next day. Just a concept, y'all. It's a concept that fixed everything in my mind. I, how many of you know that I've had, I've had I've been, you probably don't know the extent, Mike knows, the extent I have been struggling with my knee. I mean, I walk, I like to walk five miles a day. I have been hardly able to walk one, nor sleep all night, right? I mean, it's just been constant, chronic pain. I will say, Mike, you've got to pray for me. You've got to pray for me. So I get out. Now, with this, with this rep, now, you, do I need you to teach me about the will of God to heal me? No, I don't. I can teach you. And I'm not saying that. I, I understand. I understand it as well as you understand it. Does that make sense? I understand divine healing and faith and the will of God and all of these concepts. I understand them. I will bet you at least as well as you do. But it wasn't happening. But when I understood assignment, that I am sent to this earth for one purpose and one purpose only, that Psalm 139, that before one day existed of my life on earth, the Lord assigned me those number of days. And I know that my assignment is a kingdom assignment. That's exactly what yours is. If you're born again, you're on a kingdom assignment. If you don't know that, you're outside of assignment and you're just spinning around. As my brother would say, like a fart in a whirlwind. Sorry. See that, you won't, see, Jane's like, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> so we see ourselves here, and we have not because we ask not, because we don't understand our assignment. Or you ask amiss, because you don't understand your assignment. I got out of the car at Sam's, and this is just, I'm just meditating, I'm just meditating, I'm meditating, I'm meditating, I'm meditating on it. And I said, Lord, I believe that I'm on assignment of the kingdom of God. I am sent here to proclaim the word and be a revivalist. You would like to know my assignment. That's who I am. When that became clear again, it didn't matter whether you like me or agree with me or not. That really never mattered to me anyway. That's aside the point. But I stepped out of the car. And as soon as I did, my knee, I have to, what do I have to do when I get up? I'd be like, would you wait a second so I don't have to limp like an old lady? Don't I say that? Just give me a second because I have to walk and it's locked and I have to drag my leg until I can wake it up to get in. And I said, Lord, I'm on assignment. And because I'm on assignment and I understand my assignment, you know what I need? I need my body. My body is a resource for my assignment. My body is a resource more to the point for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God has come and is coming. It's already but not yet. And it's my assignment to bring the kingdom of God. I do so by operating in the gifts the Holy Spirit has given me, i.e. teaching the word, preaching the word. That's what I do. That's my assignment. When I get in the lane of my assignment, you know what heaven does? It says, sweetheart, what do you need? I promise you. I stepped out of that car and I said, God, I need my body. 
I'm on assignment. You treat your body better when you understand it's part of your assignment. I stood out of the car and I said, Lord, I think I can get healed from my knee pain. I think I can start walking again normally because I'm on assignment. Is that right, Lord? And I kind of put it off and you know what I said? I said, I'm going to pray about that this week. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, you can be healed before you walk in this store. And I went, that's right, I think I will. And I began, my knee has improved. Now, I want, I'm not going to tell you I haven't had to contend. I've had to contend. I walked four miles yesterday, didn't I? I have continually, steadily, my knee has continually got better. It stopped swelling because I began to see my life in relation to my assignment. And I have seen in my life before, I didn't understand the principle of assignment before, but I lived in assignment. When Mike and I were missionaries in Scotland, we could ask God for something and it would be there in 24 hours. And I'm not bragging, I'm just telling, almost, right? We could say, we said, Lord, we want a youth pasture for the church we hadn't even planted yet. This is not, I'm not joking. We're on assignment. This is how, I'm not saying this for us. This can work for you too. Your clarity is you don't understand you're on assignment. So you're asking for resources and you don't even know where to put them because you don't know where they belong. But when you get your assignment right, the resources, God, he just begins to release them for the assignment. I promise you this. You can say, I don't believe it. I don't care what you believe. I'm so convinced I will run over you with my belief. That makes sense to you? In Scotland, our, we said, God, we need a youth pastor for the church we hadn't even planted yet. Our very first itineration service, numero uno, Mesquite First Assembly of God. We went in, our very first ever, Right? Stood up there, we gave our spiel. The youth pastor at the church said, I'm called to Scotland to work with youth, and I want to work with y'all. That's easy. I could say, Lord, I need laptops for my girls to do homeschool. The next week, someone would call and say, Hey, what can I give y'all? I want to bless y'all with something. What can I give y'all? And we'll say, Well, we need, our girls need laptops done. We said, Lord, we need a building. That took us, we landed in, in April. This took us till November. We'd already started our church. A man gave us a 10,000 square foot cathedral plus 15,000 pounds in the bank. Now, you're like, wow, that's great. You know what it was? Assignment. We understood the why for the what. I want to tell you that if you will get busy about what God has called you to and stop being about everything else, building bigger barns, building this or that, if it's not a part of the assignment God has given you, you are wasting your time and bringing frustration to your life. Cast off restraint. Yeah. That's very good. Everything that you do, <clears throat> then if it's governed through what God has, the call of God on your life, then it becomes the boundaries for everything in your life. Is this making any sense at all? I'm telling you that if you, you're saying, well, what does that mean? I'm not called to be a missionary or this or that or the other. Wherever you're at, if you work, if you're retired, you're still on assignment. If you are work in a doctor's office, you're still on assignment. If you work at a schoolhouse, you're still on assignment. If you work in tech, you're still on assignment. It doesn't matter what you do. See, the assignment is that you understand that the kingdom of God has come through the completed work of Jesus Christ, and he is flowing through you to the world around you, and he has put you in a place where you need to be, not for you, 
just to be comfortable and happy and, and this and that and the other, but it is to accomplish all that the kingdom of God desires. I remember, and I think I've told you this story, but it just fits here so well to prove this point. This is not my story. This is Denzel and Rebecca Hood's story. How many of you know them? They've, done, they've done, preached here. They're the missionaries that are in Puebla. We went on a missions trip there. Whenever Rebecca was called, she is Mexican. Denzel is American. She was raised Assembly of God, Pentecostal. He was raised Church of Christ. Yes, she gets called to become a missionary to Mexico. He was a successful businessman all of his life, owned grocery stores. So he begins to, because they've had such a vision and a call from God to go to Puebla, see, assignment. It's his kingdom, but this becomes their, their assignment. So he begins, they sell, start selling everything and getting ready to go to Puebla to start a church. Well, this is around the year of 1995, and they live in Oklahoma City or just outside of Oklahoma City. Rebecca has to go to the federal Murray, the Murray Federal Building in order to get documentation for them. She is a Mexican citizen for them to move and to go and all the paperwork that's associated with that. She has set up an appointment for 8 a.m. in the morning at the Murray Federal Building on the day it was bombed. The Holy Spirit spoke to her the night before and said, do not go to your appointment until you call and someone answers the phone. She told her Church of Christ husband, she said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I am not to go to the, my appointment until I call and someone answers the phone. He said, I'm not doing that. I'm not late anywhere. He said this, this is his own words. He said, she was in there on the phone calling over and over and over again. He said, I was like an idiot sitting in the driveway, honking my horn trying to get her out of the house. And she was resolved to do what the Holy Spirit told her to do. And she's sitting there calling, and he's out there, you know, come on, honking the horn. I mean, can you just imagine the scenario? And someone picked up the phone. They said, Good, it was right at like 8.05, something like that. Good morning, uh, Murray Federal Building. How can I help you? And the line went dead. The bomb went off right then. The only person in the department where her appointment was at that didn't die was the woman who answered the phone. You say, that's kind of a head scratcher, isn't it? I know you're, got, you're like me. Why didn't God stop the whole thing? Why didn't God tell her what was going to happen? Why didn't she rescue him? Why, 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 You know what I mean? There's a whole lot of things we can ask why about. But what we should be doing is looking and go, why did God tell her that? Why did God preserve her? And why did God, and it, that preservation extended to that woman who answered the phone. Denzel was humbled by it, to say the least. He apologized to his wife and he's, humbled himself and asked forgiveness of the Lord. And he said, and the Lord, it took us a while to understand this, didn't it? And the Lord spoke to him and said, I will always preserve my vision. See that assignment? What did all the resources of God do? Protected assignment. Rebecca was on assignment. That assignment on her life and her commitment to it and all the resources of heaven were backing her in that assignment because she was stepping in line with God. We have this idea that we're crafting the will of God in our prayers. We're not. We're agreeing with the will of God in our prayers. Most of our prayers are not answered, not because we don't pray them, but we are asking amiss because we have no clue why we are even here on the earth. And so when she began to when she answered that phone, that assignment that was preserving Rebecca preserved her too. And Denzel said, I found out that day that when I need something, I say, God, send it because it's, for, it's the underwriting of your assignment.
Now, as I pray this prayer then, and I say, in the name of Jesus, by the power of his blood shed on the cross, I command the penalty of the enemy and any word curse that has been pronounced against me and my family to be broken. See, this is coming under the canopy of assignment. You see that? It shall not prosper as I nullify its effect in Jesus' mighty name. I proclaim a blessing to all that I am. Why am I blessed? What's it for? It's for assignment, y'all. If, if nothing flows, if all you, then this is, this is big. If everything's just flowing to you and not through you, you are not on assignment. I want you to be. I want you to find a way to poke a hole somewhere and let something drip out. Because if you don't, you are not anything like your father, the one you call your father. Retaining, reserving, holding in, holding up, me, my, my four, no more. There is a father who is like that, but it's not the heavenly father. I'll just let you fill in the blanks there. It says, it shall not prosper as I nullify its effects in Jesus' mighty name. I proclaim a blessing to all that I am, hope to be, and put my hand to. And all that pertains to my life, my pets, my livestock, health, home, finances, possessions, vehicles, ministry, and family. I call for strength, vigor, protection, wealth, and the supply of the Lord for the honor and the glory of his name. I say this publicly to you today. I will be on my assignment. And I will pray every prayer Godward and believe him to direct it earthward in order to accomplish his will on earth, period. Now, I invite you to do the same. I invite you to understand how the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous availeth much. I invite you to say every prayer that I pray, Lord, turn it around and see, does it fit in the picture of your assignment? Have you even thought about what God wants you to be doing here? Have you even considered submitting yourself to the will and call of God? Or do you only follow God so long as comfort follows you? I promise you, the will of God will take you well beyond the boundaries of comfort. Well beyond the boundaries of comfort. And it will deposit you in places that make you feel like you are being contorted in a way that Cirque du Soleil performers would envy you. And yet, in the midst of the stretching and in the midst of the uncomfortable situation and in the midst of what you feel like is everything being pulled from you in a direction that you can't even comprehend, there will be yet in the midst of that such a desire to accomplish the things that God has called you to, and you will do it no matter what, because the assignment that God has put you on will be the most important thing. Now, if we're going to be judged for every idle, every unassigned, every vain and useless word that had, was unemployed for the kingdom of God, those are words. You speak 16,000 a day on average. I am highly above average. And my husband is highly below average. Right? I'm a genius with words. But you know what that does? That puts me in a greater risk category, doesn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> I got to get this right and get it under the blood or this or judgment day is not going to be pretty. I thank you God for revealing this to me because I'm going to try by the grace of God to take my words and employ them for the kingdom of God. But to finish my statement, if our words are going to be judged, our words, our words so easy to produce. How harsh will he judge our works? Our action. The action that we do, will he not, if words have to have assignment, do not 
Do not our very behaviors have to have assignment? I mean, you decide. I don't know. Is it okay? You go try this. I'm not going to try this, but I'm going to invite you people who this is your theology and you want to live it out like this. You go do you and I'll do me and we'll come back together and we'll, we'll, we'll um, compare notes, okay? You go and say, 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 but never do, 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 do. With your, never get your do and your say aligned. You do that. I'll do what I feel is right. We'll come back together in five years and we'll see who has more victory in their life. Does that offend you? I hope it does. I wanted it to. I wanted it to kind of grind on you a little bit. Why? I would rather have you uncomfortable and questioning the Word of God than comfortable and living in a blindness and a staleness that never even challenges status quo. Does this make sense to you? I'm like, God, I am 49 years old. I have a few good years left. I am going to take every one of my resources. And you know what I told Mike the other day? So you know what the number one resource I have is? The number one resource I have. You know what it is? Well, it might be my mouth, but it, it kind of it fits in there. The no, no, he don't even remember what I tell. That's right. And that might be the word. But my number one, my resource package that I have, and it's the same for you as well. Nope. It's my health, my physical man. Because my personality is worthless if my body is sick. I could be wealthy, I could be a billionaire, and if I don't take care of the health of my body, what good is the money? I could have a, the most amazing call on my life, but if I have not taken care of my body... Now, I know some of you are like, oh, that's health and fitness talk. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it is. You will, your ministry will be cut short if you do not take care of your physical man. And I realize there are things beyond your control. There, Satan is always roaming and prowling and wanting to put sickness and disease. I believe this coronavirus is nothing more than from the pits of hell to stop the body of Christ. But you know what? If we understood our assignment, I believe we could say, Get thee behind me, Satan. <clears throat> Thou savoreth not the things of God. <clears throat> and that just leads me to another great little point that the Lord showed me this week. I'm just firing just all over the place. When Jesus had the conversation with Peter, and he said, upon this rock, who do you, who men say I am? You know it, right? Who do men say that I am? Well, they say this or that or the other. But who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. So what did, what did Jesus just tell Peter? Peter, you're not smart enough to come up with this. That's what he just said. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. In other words, this is not something your intellect produced. This is not, and now it came through his intellect, but see, it came through the, he said, but the spirit has revealed it. <clears throat> now the intellect is involved in spiritual revelation to be sure, but it wasn't something that Peter went into a library and he studied and he studied and he studied and he studied and he looked and he went, Eureka, I found it. Thou art the Christ. No, it was a spiritual revelation. You don't even have to worry about how you're going to get information if you have the Spirit of God. The Spirit revealed it to him. Now let's go a little further. We all go, we love Peter, he's so great. <clears throat> but then, Jesus, after he's revealed that he is the Messiah, he's congratulated him, he said, upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell not prevail against it. Ah. <sighs> He talks about resources combining with assignment. And then <clears throat> Peter says this to him. He, Jesus says, I'm, he told them how he was going to go to Jerusalem and, be, and suffer and how he would die and be resurrected. You know what Peter said? He got involved with his intellect now, his soul. He said, Lord, pity yourself. Have mercy on, Lord, Take pity on yourself. 
I listened to a sermon by Derek Prince this past week, and he said he had a huge deliverance ministry all over the world. And he said the hardest demon he's ever had to cast out of someone is self-pity. He said that. He said, boy, getting self-pity out is harder than any other demonic stronghold in a person's life. Because people, no matter what they do, they'll always pity themselves. They'll always take self and go, oh, I've got to protect myself. I need some me time. I gotta, I gotta have this. Oh man, that should hurt all of us a little bit. We pity ourselves. And what did Jesus do? Turned around and looked at the man he had just congratulated. And Dennis, he didn't talk to Peter, did he? <sighs> he said, he looked at Peter and said, Satan, get behind me. You, he said, I see you, devil trying to make me exalt my self-life over the assignment I have. You see, he said, that's what I'm, I'm just, I'm putting words in Jesus' mouth here. This is what he's saying. He said, I have an assignment. And I just told him the assignment, devil. And you're trying to use my disciples to teach me about my assignment? Get behind, not Peter, get behind me. You don't even care about the things of God. You care about yourself. And any time you start trying to make me put self in first place, I know right quick it's not God, it's you, Satan. I love the fact we always say he rebuked Peter. He didn't rebuke Peter, did he? He rebuked Satan. What, did, what mouth did Satan use? He used Peter's mouth. What mind did, Peter, did Satan use? What imagination did Satan use? Whose words did Satan use? Wow. Who will God use? The same ones the devil will use. You need to know that about yourself. I would encourage you to look at your life for assignment. And now, I said that about your health, but see, my, but being... Being fastidious about what I put in my body and about where I put my body and how I work my, the discipline factors. Because, you know, I don't like to discipline my eating, do you? No. I want to eat cake. I'm like Marie, Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake. I'm going to eat some bad food today, as a matter of fact. But I got to have more good days than I got bad days. You see what I'm saying? And so, but see, that, that was just sort of a, an accoutrement to the revelation when I understood assignment, that became so clear. My health became so clear. It became obvious to me, I'm going to need my body to do what God has called me to do. Do you know what Satan and every demon wants above all else on earth? A body. You know why they want a body? They cannot produce the manifestation of the kingdom of darkness without your or my or somebody. They need a mouth. They need a mind. They need hands. They need feet. They need something. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there for what it's worth. You can knock it down and say, I hate her and I don't like that, but that's all right. I believe that this virus that we have through the land right now is from hell. And I believe that the mouth of the media is being used by Satan to promote, 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 promote. 
And I believe that if we actually began to look at it with a clarity for what it actually, I'm not saying it's not real, right? I'm not saying it's not real. People in here have had it. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying it's not as big as what the devil has used it to be. Would y'all agree with that? I'm not saying don't be safe. I'm not saying don't put your health. I've already talked about your health. It's important, right? But I'm saying what's more important to me than whether or not you die and go to heaven is how you live your life on earth. Whether you live in fear, in torment, or whether you walk out in faith. Yes, Tim. Yes. Power of death. Right. Absolutely. But what has he, but he hasn't given us the scorpions or the serpents. And he, but he also, he also gave us power over what? But when that power of winds the, I, this is what I'm submitting to you today. The power of the kingdom is not in operation in my life to the degree that God wants it. He does. I'm telling you, God gives me things when I don't even understand. I'm getting my puzzle pieces. That's all coming from the grace of God. You see what I'm saying? And he's blessing me in that. And I'm growing in that. And I'm loving that. And I'm, I'm living there. And I mean, the grace of God is flowing in my life. But when he showed me the whole picture... I understood that everything I have and everything I need is packaged in the resource of the kingdom. It is all things are for him and all things are from him and unto him. And he gives me to accomplish his mission. And I can pray in great confidence. You have no idea. When I began to pray about my knee, saying, God, please, instead of saying, God, please heal me, God, please heal me. Lord, why won't you heal me? Lord, you know, I, you know that hurts. Lord, please heal me. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. It's a done deal. I'm just, by his stripes, I'm healed. Lord, please heal me. I mean, how many of you prayed those prayers? And when I stepped out of the car at Sam's, and the Lord told me, you can be healed before you walk in the store. It was through the lens of it's not... It's, why, it's the why. Because I know what I'm here for. And I had no doubt that he would heal me because I work for him. He has resourced everything to me for the kingdom of God. And so I go out, that gives me such great confidence and boldness to say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the strength that Christ gives me is not to go live some weird life of half me and half God and a little of this and a little of that and a little flesh and a little spirit and a little whatever you do, do what makes you happy. The life that he gives me is to set up and to build the kingdom of God on earth. And just one more note. You can look all through the Old Testament, and I don't think you will find a place, I'm thinking right now, where you will find a devil being cast out. An exorcism. Am I wrong? Can you think of one, Tim? Can you find healings in the Old Testament? Dead raised in the Old Testament? Miraculous supply in the Old Testament? See? There's one thing you can't find in the Old Testament. And it's casting out devils. Oddly enough, Jesus said, is it Matthew 12, 24? Y'all can fix me on that. 
when they said he casts out devils by the devil. He said, if I cast out devils by the devil, well, that would be a divided kingdom and the devil's kingdom would fall. But he said this, but if I cast out devils by the finger of God, what's that finger of God? Authority. I told you about the cop that time that people were hitting the median because they didn't want to sit in traffic. And there was a police officer, and I was fixing to hit that median too because I'll break the law in a second if you don't watch me. But the Holy Spirit, he helps me a lot. He said, don't do it, Andrea. I said, okay, I'll sit here. And I'm glad I didn't because cars were hitting that, you know, that worn-out spot on the median. And they were hitting that service road. But what they didn't see is there was a police officer up there, and he had had his belly full of people doing this. And so he had a person pulled over for doing it. And he was standing, he had the person there in the car, window rolled down, and he's standing by the person's car. And as people are coming, they can't see him, but he can see them. And as they're coming down that service road, he's going. And they are, you know what they're doing? They are, he has a string of cars lined up everywhere. That's all he's doing. He's standing out there in that uniform. He's not, he don't have a gun. This thing is not loaded. All he's doing, he's taking a man with a finger against a car. Not one person's going, up yours, man. Or not. Every person, he goes, you would? Yeah, well, he might have. No, he didn't have any, and I know there would be some that would, but majority, 100% of everybody I saw, that finger was parking them on the road. Finger parking them on the road. What Jesus is saying there is, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, he said, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Now, what that tells me is this. When Jesus came, the whole of the gospel is about bringing forth what? The New Testament is about bringing forth what? It's the kingdom. Bringing forth, it's an already not yet. It is, a, it is a coming, has come, and coming. And I stand in this church age in the middle as a person who has been given the authority of God for the assignment of God. And when I stand in that understanding of my assignment, then he said he has given me power over every work of the devil. I can stand, and I know, I know you're going, well, then do it, Andrew. I'm going to do it right now. I can stand in the devil and say, you back up now. You get off my body. You get off my home. You get off my finances. You get out of my mind. You get out of my emotions. I will not cavort with you any longer. This is our assignment if you don't believe God's given it to you, then you park yourself in the word for a little while. I tell you, start proclaiming it. Let your mouth begin to direct your heart. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life to bring you the revelation. And I promise you, a revelation from God will do you better than four doctorate degrees. It will undo more of the devil's kingdom. In, in a mo- the Lord just spoke one word to me, assignment. And a heart that through the years had somehow lost that assignment got foggy. You know what I'm talking about? Got foggy. And my heart began to move toward unbelief because of the fog, of not the clarity of the assignment. And so then it began to affect my prayers and my heart began to fail me because I didn't have confidence with God. And then my words became duplicitous because I had a head knowledge, but my heart knowledge and my head knowledge weren't syncing up. And so I was trying to convince myself of promises that I really wasn't living because I was walking around this fog of losing an assignment. But then I realized the assignment is so much greater than the fog. Fog cannot stop you. Fog just scares you. All you've got to do is just keep putting one foot in front of the other and the fog that threatens to kill you, you will find out how much more powerful than you are against the blinding fog. Just walk through it. 
and you will discover there's an assignment of grace. There's an assignment of power. We live in an assigned day of the church. I thank God for this coronavirus, not because it's from him, but because of what he has accomplished in my life for clarity's sake, for kingdom's sake, and for assignment's sake. And that's all we have today. We're dismissed. There we go. I don't know where they're at. I think they're not moving. I don't know. No, oh, wait, wait, wait. Why? I do have a lot of them. Look at that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, brother.